everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. Doc Searles and Sean Powers are with me. We may actually have Kyle Rankin if we get lucky, but we'll see. But we're here to talk about, oh gosh, so many things. This has been a rough week on the internet for those who use uh, social media. So yeah, um, we're, we're going to talk about Mastodon, but I think we, we kind of need to talk about Twitter a little bit too, because a lot of things are going down. Uh, there was the whole checkmark kerfluffle, and Sean might be able to give us a little bit of insight With on that. With the gray checkmark, the gray mark. The gray the, and the, the, yes, the multiple checkmarks. Five many, seconds. A lot of brand spoofing. Yeah, so this mm. is going to be a good one. So many things to talk about. And we're going to hit a little bit of like DIY Mastodon. So so let's so stick around. But before we start with that, I wanted to remind everyone to go to reality2cast.com. That is the number two in the URL. And there you can link to our newsletter. And Doc is writing some really good stuff on yeah, there lately. It will be out today. I will finish this today. Ah, it's it's yeah, important. I need it, I need it next week at, uh, at IW. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. That's so the motivation. It has to so. be in the world before then. So, so if you sign yeah. up, uh, you know, or, or if you go to our website, you can you can link to the newsletter. You can read the previous ones and sign up for the new ones. And there's going to be some good stuff there. And also thank you to our supporters because we have quite a few Patreon and uh, coffee supporters that I wanted to acknowledge. And we really appreciate that. So number one, let's just get this out of the way. Follow us on Mastodon, but be very aware that I might be migrating. You can find us at reality2cast at linuxrocks.online, but that might change soon, and we'll talk about why. So, um, so yeah, so this week has been uh, pretty out there. What? Let, let, let's start with that point, because things on Twitter have felt like we're kind of sitting around watching Rome burn, right? Or is that just me? I, I feel it's more like the... The, well, it, it's sort of like the, the the captain has taken over the ship, but this it, but it's a giant cruise ship. It's got cracks in places. He fired half. He threw threw a lot of people overboard. It's a terrible metaphor, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, I'm trying to avoid the hit an iceberg thing. Um, <laughs> but, Too late. <laughs> but it's but it's but it, I mean he he's done a lot of crazy shit, and but he's making new mistakes. I I wouldn't count him or it out in the long run. I think the flywheels of of Twitter are large and. And and frankly, if what you see on Twitter is who you're following, and if that doesn't change much, and if you're like me, you're following thousands of people, if some people leave, I'm not going to know. And I, and my experience with Twitter, because I've avoided politics, and I avoid a number of, you know, I avoid celebrities and other stuff like that. I don't see people say it's such a cesspool, it's horrible. Well, I don't I don't see any of that, none of it. I, it, it looks fine to me actually. So, um, you know. I, I, but I, but I, but I can't believe anybody could treat a company as horribly as he has treated Twitter and its employees, and not have it cause consequences. Well, I think and, so, and it can be it, a company can be financially successful and still be a failure, depending on how you measure. Yeah, you know. So, I, one of the things that happened, I want to say it was Wednesday night, which was a couple of days ago at this point. We're we're recording this on Saturday the twelfth. Uh, I'm not sure when it goes up, maybe tomorrow. Um, I think it was Wednesday night, the chief security officer, the CISO, the um, the privacy compliance person, and uh, a few others. And since then, the, 
oh gosh, Yoel Roth, I can't remember his exact title, but it was the guy who was ensuring that they had brand safety, right? Uh, all of those people, three of them quit or resigned on Wednesday night, and then I think Yoel either resigned Thursday or Friday. And that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, very high ranking people at once. And the reason that was cited was concerns about FTC uh, scrutiny, basically their ability to comply with certain rules. And if you don't, those people can be personally criminally liable, as I understand it. And there's been a lot of really good writing and journalism on this, and I will link to a bunch of it. Uh, Tech Dirt is doing some great stuff. Anyway, and a few others, and I'll, I'll link to that. But but this is, I mean, this is serious stuff. It's it's beyond just, wow, isn't this a mess? And you know, the check marks and the features, and there, you know, there are bugs. Um, it's it's some way more serious stuff too. I mean, the bugs thing is 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 also real. I mean, it's increasingly buggy. I've noticed it. A lot of other people are noticing it. The MIT Tech Review has a really great article, um, kind of <laughs> outlining just how bad it could get pretty quickly. And I think that's not unlikely. But and then there and then there's the the brand impersonators, which are frankly hysterical. Um, yeah, pretty unfortunate if you're really Eli Lilly. And right. Their stock. Yeah, did y'all tank. see that? Oh, yeah. So I mean, what, what's the what's the wildest one you've seen? Let, let, let's. I mean, just that was that was up there. And so if if you don't know what what we're talking about, the there was a while you can't actually do it now, but you could pay your eight dollars, which is a meme in and of itself. But you could pay your eight dollars and get a blue check mark. For verification yep. and it was that's all it was you just paid for the account and the rules were you couldn't impersonate somebody but it takes a while for the you know for the yep. for the police to come and find you you know and so uh somebody started some uh, twitter account that was like the real eli or whatever and they had a verified check mark and they tweeted oh bt dubs or something or by the way now uh all diet medicine free. yeah insulin is now free and, yeah, and got it was a verified account and then the stock tanked and yep. yeah the account because, was suspended but uh. because Eli Lilly now has to bring that conversation back to the forefront and say no so, no insulin is yeah. not free we're still very much charging for it and by the way it's a lot so it's not just Eli Lilly all insulin manufacturers stock tanked you know, mm-hmm. now, you know, the politician Bernie Sanders is getting back into it, reminding everybody that Eli Lilly is evil or, you know, whatever it is that people are saying and that, you know, how dare people charge for insulin and, and these exorbitant prices. And and it's it's done very real damage to these pharmaceutical brands. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny. I saw the real Coca-Cola, another thing mm-hmm. where they, you know, they're bringing back to- cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If it gets a thousand retweets, they'll put the cocaine back yes. in the Coca Cola. And, it was- <laughs> and uh, Chiquita Banana was a good one. Chiquita one. Banana was hysterical. That somebody said uh, something about um, overthrowing the government, and then another another fake account said, "We haven't overthrown a government since 1954." <laughs> it's just, and uh, people are having way too much fun with impersonating these brands, and it's doing. And you know, and then these brands then have to do damage control that, right. for something they didn't create because it was a verified check mark. I mean, yeah, that you know that used to mean something. Now, I mean, like I said, now you can't that that is closed. You can't get one anymore. The people who bought their verified check marks still have them, but you can't get uh, verified blue anymore. They removed it from the thing because yeah. of all the impersonators. And for like what an hour, there were two check marks, right? Yeah. So, so wasn't. Wasn't that completely predictable? 
I mean, uh, was it? To, I don't know if I could have predicted. That. I mean, yes, me. yes, exactly. That, I I didn't think it would be this fast. I thought it would be a gradual decline somehow. Yeah. I thought you know they would lay off too many engineers and we'd start. I thought the engineering thing would be more of a problem. I did not see this. Um, I saw the 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 impersonation coming when they announced the blue check mark. I thought, okay, here's what I thought when they announced the new Twitter blue or whatever, pay your eight bucks and get a check mark. I didn't think it would be enabled so quickly. So yeah, I, I thought you'd still have to go through the process. Yeah. So I, I didn't see any of it coming because I thought, oh, they figure out that people would point out how easy it was to impersonate people yeah. and they would hold off and, and figure it out, uh, figure out how to handle it. But no, they just enabled it. And what everybody warned them about happened and on a much bigger scale than even I would have thought. So yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean I thought I was gonna have yes. to pay eight dollars if I wanted to keep my, you know, yeah. actual verified check mark, but it and that there would still be a process for anybody to apply and like get approved as long as they went through the process, but there's no process. Or there wasn't yeah. a process. So it's uh. it's been an adventure. This week, I, you know, I only look, I only look at Twitter this week to look at like, oh, wow, what, what's going on to communicate? I've been using Mastodon. I, I think there's a corollary to, to Linus's law that says more eyes make bugs shallower. I think there's a more participants makes humor likelier <laughs> at, or, or faster. Like that's why, I mean, I, I think this, this is obvious, but anything that can be made a joke of will be made a joke of. Yeah. Especially if it's being absurd. Any anything doing something absurd is going to get joked on. Yeah. This is what keeps today and tabs running, I think. Ah, yes, we'll put to, today and tabs. That. I think is, is is almost at the onion level at this point, in terms of just being interesting. Yeah. So, so okay. So, given that all of this is going on with Twitter, you have a big chunk of Twitter users fleeing to Mastodon. Um, not all, certainly. And, and, you know, some of the more what I would call mainstream Twitter users, the non-geeks especially, you know, some, ha- some have made the move. Kathy Griffin famously did. Um, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, yeah, that was great. Um, Stephen Fry is on Mastodon, or is, is that yeah. Yes, yep, yeah, he, and oh, cool. he posted a... Uh, I actually took a screenshot, I think, or I, ha- I don't grabbed somebody else's screenshot. He posted goodbye, written out in Scrabble letters, and then deactivated his account on Twitter. And he had 12 million followers, I think. And then he's now over on Mastodon, probably taking down some server somewhere, right? Because, and that's a conversation worth having, too, because... Yeah, um, absolutely. So, the, yeah, so it's causing problems, problems, good problems, I suppose, maybe, hopefully, over on Mastodon because of this massive yeah. uh, migration. But But it's not everybody, certainly, and the brands aren't there yet for the most part, mm-hmm. um, if at all. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So what is, yeah, what is it, this Mastodon thing? I know we've talked about it a ton. We have. We but, talked about it when Elon Musk was first talking about buying Twitter, right? We had like two episodes yeah, and, of this. And we've, we've talked about it in the last couple of episodes, too. But, yeah. but honestly, that conversation is way out of date <laughs> at this point because yeah. it's so different today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I know more about Mastodon now than I did then for it's sure. Trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And would you say, okay, so you were our biggest uh Mastodon skeptic back then. In yeah. fact, I I shared a link to that episode and, and people have listened to it more recently. Mm-hmm. And given the feedback of, oh, you know, Sean seems so anti-Mastodon. And I think I remember responding to somebody and saying, like, well, I think, you know, if you ask him today, he might have a slightly different yeah. opinion. Yeah. So uh, yeah. A couple. Let's talk about that. A couple major things changed. One, uh, the ability to move and take followers with you. That that was a thing that was 
my biggest concern was what instance do I go to? Because once I'm there, I can't, you know, I'm stuck. And if people follow me there and I leave, nobody knows. And you can, at that point, you could put up a, like a, I've moved sign, but people would have to actively refollow you on your new account. And now you, you can move and migrate your followers. So like if, if, if I was on mastodon.online and then I decided to spin up my own instance, I could migrate all of my followers to my new account and they would never know that I had moved except if they look, you know, the, the toots of mine that they see now are being federated from my server instead of Mastodon online. So that made it a lot easier for me to accept, uh, you know, that I wasn't stuck with whatever decision I made as, you know, like, do you know anybody who has like, you know, pink sparkle pony 69 at hotmail.com for their business email, because that's what they've had forever. <laughs> you know, I was worried about that. Uh, but that's, that's not a concern now. Like now I'm on my own instance and I moved, I moved the, um, other instances that I was on. I moved those followers over to my current one. So yeah, I'm a big content. Uh, the content actually, the old content stays on the old server. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't follow you. Okay. But I I don't, I don't know that it's like an archival, I I don't know. I, I don't personally think of it as an archival. Uh, thing right. so there you know there that that is an issue and now I hate it again thanks Catherine no I'm just kidding oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a little bit more ephemeral so I I don't think Mastodon is, Mastodon is decentralized it's polycentralized would that be right because that's um, kind of what it is it's polycentralized isn't, isn't that what decentralization would be more I think it center? is actually I think that that's what when Paul Barron first wrote about that in the early 60s. That's exactly what he meant. He meant many centers. Yeah. And um, I think it's also what... It's not peer-to-peer. You no. Know, no. It's, well, it's... You know, it's, is decentralized partway between centralized and peer-to-peer? I don't know. It's what semantics well, that we're talking Well, peer-to-peer is, is kind of what, what, what Barron called distributed, which is fully scattered. Yeah. And then any two points could communicate within that. Um and, 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 or you can set up brief centers, but, but it seems to me that this is one of the things we're going to struggle with for decades. You know, what is best centralized, what is best distributed, what is best polycentralized or decentralized. I think when people say decentralized, they mean something that's closer to peer to peer, something that's closer to distributed rather than actually um, distributed. It's, it's a, it's other forms of centralization in in the Catholic Church, they often talk about um, subsidiarity. Subsidiarity is decision at the lowest possible level. You don't want to you don't want to run things up to the top when you do things. You want everything solved at the lowest level. But there's something like subsidiarity here, which is there's no central organization other than the code that that runs all these different servers. And I have issues but there. What, <laughs> yeah, what's the issue? Uh, like the the main developer doesn't like the idea of a quote tweet or a, what a it would be a a, a, a boost a quoted uh, retweet or something yeah. like that yeah. Quote boost. yeah 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 he he says that that's that's bad so the protocol doesn't include it I think so that's pretty in, heavy handed yeah so in his observation and I don't know what kind of like let's say sample size we're talking about here but in his observation he has found that the the majority of the use of the quote tweet in his opinion observation is negative. Like he's, he's 
like let's say he thinks 75 percent of it is used to troll people to call people stupid oh look at this idiot what he tweeted or and we do see see that a lot in uh, political posts but if you don't follow a lot of that and you don't see a lot of that you wouldn't notice it i personally i use it all the time because i want to highlight good stuff and i want to add something to the conversation but i don't want it to be hidden in a thread i want it to be front out there front and center and by Um, frustration my frustration is not that it is that it should be an option at the instance level if you don't want your users to see quote boosts or whatever then don't include the just just boost it you know strip out the comment that is attached to it uh when somebody you know when somebody on a different server does a quoted boost or whatever then when it's on your timeline strip that off if you know that should be an option it shouldn't be a protocol wide decision because one guy doesn't like it or it should be like the way that content warnings are treated and just yeah quickly content warnings what what are these content warning things because this is some way that mastodon differs from twitter so when you make a post on mastodon you have a text field that is an optional content warning that will cover and also effectively shorten your post in the other people's timeline and it will cover it and it will it, it allows you to say hey this is what I give it a subject line basically this is what I'm going to talk about either it's going to be something sensitive like for example US politics on election day or spoiler alert uh house of the dragon is that what it's called <laughs> anyway so you're not giving away stuff and you know people can click on it and opt into to whatever you've posted to whether or not they want to see it so that's what a content warning is so that that's that's a feature you and you can disable or enable the ability to ha- have that feature take any effect so if you don't ever want to see a content warning and you just want to see posts in their original format you can do that so it seems logical that you could do the same thing for a quote boost. So I don't know. I think these are things that mm. may evolve. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I understand that, again, the maintainer has been very um, adamant about that. But yeah, it was a know, weird hill to die on, I thought. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. But, but he's not dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's still in charge. I mean, is this, is this, a, is this of a, like, is this comparable to microkernel versus monolithic kernel on his part where it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high level decision by him that is just going to stay forever. And we just live with the results. Um, I'm going back I, to know, the beginning of the know. discussions about Linux, you know, because. I don't know. I feel like the, the nature of this is something that would be more easily evolved. If that makes sense. Um, mm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, this, this whole conversation. Mind, yeah, yeah, exactly. But this whole this whole line of conversation reminds me of something you said in a, a few episodes ago. You were quoting somebody I can't remember who. Um, minimum viable centralization. Brian Bellendorf. Ah, thank you. That's yes. the one liner from him. I love it. Minimum yeah, viable. Yeah, so good. And and that's where my mind goes as we're having this conversation. Minimum. What is yeah. the minimum viable centralization to keep you know features consistent to keep usability but still give enough decentralization that there's choice and there is um, spreading the load and all of these great things where Mastodon provides a benefit. The load. So do you want to talk about some weaknesses right now? Yeah. So no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say that spreading the load also, I I don't mean only technical. I also mean in terms of content moderation. Yeah. 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 Um, Because that's that's a, a, that's a big thing, but anyway, go ahead. Yes. Tell us, tell us us some of the segue. So yeah, yeah, no, it's good. (laughs) It's good. Yes. I do want to hear. So some of the, like I, I host my own um, instance and you know, it, it works fairly well. The problem is 
uh, do you remember the Twitter fail whale? Uh, yes. That, I mean, that's, all the time. That's yeah. yeah, that's happening now on instances as they grow, but it, it isn't a, it isn't a direct like user scalability thing. The problem is the, um, the services that run behind the scene to do the federation that goes exponential depending on, um, uh, what exactly how popular a person is, how many like different instances hmm. are following a person. So like, uh, Stephen Fry, it was a conversation when Stephen Fry joined, he, you know, he's going to get many, 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 many followers. Right. And pop, there's going to get popular people on, on different Mastodon instances. The issue is if he tweets something and then somebody like boosts it or toots something, sorry. And then somebody uh, replies or boosts it. It not only happens on that instance to all their users, but it gets federated to all of the other instances that that instance knows about. Right. And so, mm. and then all of the instances that the people who see that reply all of their instances then have to also federate it out. And so like he'll reply to, you know, if he adds a reply, it's going to cause tens of thousands of back end sidekick processes to uh, send these updates to all of the federated servers that it happens to know about because of the amount of people who are following him. It will go mm. to all of those servers every interaction with any toot and so it gets unrealistically enormous uh so very very quickly apprentice effect yeah it's way. um yeah. he can do something just minuscule like reply to somebody and that will fire off so many back-end processes that a, a celebrity instance yeah a mastodon instance will fail whale you know so what what is it going to be uh fail mastodon you know what's and mm. how tolerant are people to that? So that back in, in the that's, early that's days of Twitter, like, well, wanna, it was a bunch you, of... You just talked me out of following Stephen Fry. Yeah. It, it won't... It doesn't matter. It, it's it won't our, affect it, you. It's going to no. affect some admin somewhere. And... Yeah, it's it's the admin. And it's going to be like... Oh, I that, see. I that see. server, depending on how many uh, how many back-end sidekick... Sidekick is the, is the actual server process that does all the like federation communication. Um mm. And depending on that instance, how big their backend is that he's hosted on, that's what's going to crumble. And so, yeah. uh, you know, he's on a, a, an instance in the UK and the more people that follow him, like even if he's the only one on that instance, it, it still can have a problem of scaling because it isn't just the people on there. It's all of the other federated servers that his things have to then inform other people about. So you, you even like if me, if I got super popular, I could crush my own server uh, and be screwed, even though I, I don't host it for other people. And this mm -hmm. also brings up the question of like, you know, personal responsibility, like how do you spread that kind of cost? I mean, the obvious solution would be have, you know, people individually, you know, pay for their own accounts and host their own instances and all that, but that's not going to happen. Well, so, I, can, I can tell you how yeah, it happens you on Masto host. How? How? They, um, when you pay, you know, the different tiers of service, mm -hmm. yeah. that's how many concurrent backend sidekick processes you have. Oh, right. Sure. Sure. And so, but I mean, oh, okay. But if you run an instance with a thousand people on it and you get one Stephen Fry, then what do you do? Well, 
what you do is you charge Stephen Fry more. You give him a set number of backend processes. And what happens when he tweets then is it takes forever for it to get federated because he only has X number of those sidekick mm -hmm. processes. And so the queue will just be really long. But that assumes that Stephen Fry has his own Masto host account. If he's part of a larger server, though, then how do you kind of handle distribution? So I'm thinking mm -hmm. of it in terms of, a, you know, somebody... Let's use Twit Social. Twit.social yeah. as an example because we all participate in Twit podcasts here, and Doc has a Twit.social account. Um, if somebody, you know, they have thousands, I think at this point, they've, you know, yeah. grown tremendously, which is great. And if somebody incredibly popular like Sean Powers were, <laughs> were to join Twit Social and then suddenly they're, you know, hogging all the bandwidth, so to speak, yeah. you know, how does, how does an administrator deal with that? And I have no idea what the answer is. I mean, at this point, I think people are going to be you know, the type of people who are on Mastodon right now are, are good people who are, you know, contributing financially to their servers in many cases. And, um, you know, people are very aware that this is an issue and people are posting about it. Uh, somebody that Doc knows, Errol, um, I can't remember his last name, but he's actually just AR.AL, I think, on Mastodon. Um, oh, yeah, Errol Balkan. I think yes, we're going to see you. tiered accounts. Not yeah. just hosting. You're going to see tiered paid accounts, free account for up to right ten thousand sure. yeah. followers or something. That could happen. Yeah. So you... Errol has posted that his, I think his cost. I want to say he's he's up to about fifty euros a month on his Mastodon instance, mm. because, and it's just him, I think, because he does have a following and and he follows a lot of people. Um, so yeah, that that's that's very that's an interesting problem to have. And again, when Twitter was early and it was just just us geeks there, right? People were kind of understanding and, and tolerant of the fail well. We thought, oh well, you know, no big deal. Move on with our lives. Get back to it later. But today, it's such a well, we 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 have higher expectations, I guess, from mm -hmm. the platforms that we use, and or, or maybe I don't, because as somebody who's been part of building them or you know running web apps and stuff, I'm maybe more sympathetic. But not everybody is, and and that's that'll that will be interesting to see too, because you know if if it starts failing in ways that that people are more aware of, I think that's going to hinder Mastodon's growth, which would be a shame, in my opinion. Yeah, and it scales in that you can separate the different services onto different computers, which is good because it how it fails is it, it does a good job of queuing. Like all those sidekick processes that happen in the background, you know, there can be, you know, 100,000 of them and a person can, you know, a host might only be able to do like 25 at once because you have to have like a that many connections to your Postgres server and that has to the Postgres mm -hmm. server has to be able to handle that many simultaneous connections, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the problem is the queue gets so big that your RAM fills up and then the server itself falls apart because yeah. the queue is too big. You know, I mean, it isn't a matter of processing through like it processes every every process is always busy, but just the queue gets so big that it overwhelms the RAM and stuff. So. So I wondered if we could talk about some of the great things about Mastodon, because we've kind of we've hit on some yeah. of the the, le the not so great things. Um, and then there are some in between things like discoverability and how it works and how, you know, anyway, that's been a criticism, but I think maybe it's unfair. Um, it's working better. So, I, yeah. I actually really like it. So, let, let, so let's start with discoverability. Um, it, I, I think it's a feature, not a bug. I think um, it is discoverable. Your, your posts are discoverable if you want them to be discoverable. And, and that means that if I don't tag you know, let's say Linux and open source and Sean Powers <laughs> or whatever in my, in my post, 
then not as many people are going to see it. And maybe that's by design. Maybe I only want it to go out to, you know, uh, my immediate group of, of Mastodon friends. But if I, but if I want, uh, let's say I've gotten to participate in an interview with Greg Crowe Hartman, like doc and I just did this week. And I want people to see it because it was awesome. Um, I'm going to tag it with Linux and open source and kernel and, and all of these things. And that makes it easier to discover. So it's kind of opt in discoverability and I like it that way so far. Yeah. Even with the tiny instance, um, the searches and stuff are still federated to all the servers that your you know, people know about that, you know, your server discovers things and you can even set up relays if you don't have a big following or follow a lot of people that will like enhance your federation. And, and yeah, I, I, I haven't had any problem finding information about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, people too. That was a concern I had, like, how am I going to find people? How am I going to know? Well, the nice thing is you can search for them and, um, if they're on a common server or anybody else who is on a server that, you know, follows you in the Federation that is connected, uh, it shows up. Like I found Neil Gaiman really easily, mm-hmm. uh, in my video as I was, you know, testing it out and I didn't know if I could find him. And then sure enough, and he had a verified check Mark, uh, for on his website, you know, that went back and forth. So it was like, I knew it was actually him too. It was really nice. So, to, so how do you get verified on, on Mastodon? That's an excellent question. How did Neil Gaiman Gaiman get that? Yeah, it it needs to get better, but go go ahead, Catherine. No, no, I was going to say, I I actually prefer it to the the Twitter. It doesn't involve, you know, sending an ID to a human. It involves um, having a domain that is trusted and associated with you. To me, it's more common sense. So this is a problem right now on Twitter, obviously. And people are pointing out, um, hey, if you want to make sure it's us, go to our insert brand or organization or individual website here and it links back to my Twitter account. Well, the same thing works for Mastodon, but it actually goes both ways. So I have katherinedruckman.com. People who know me or um, even people who don't can fairly assume that that is actually me and it's pretty easily verifiable. It links back to my LinkedIn, my Twitter, and my Mastodon account. Mm -hmm. So by linking from my personal website to my Mastodon account using the rel equals quotes me attribute, I then get a verified green highlight on my Mastodon account that says I am verified, which means that you know the owner of the Mastodon account and the owner of katherinedruckman.com are the same. And I like that better. I think that's just common sense. And what's going on with Twitter right now is showing us that you know their their verification methods are certainly not working and people are going back to relying on common sense and saying well if you want to know what the chiquita banana twitter account is go to the chiquita banana brand website and we'll come back to it and that's us right so dude there he is so Yay. so i i own searles.com can i therefore get verified uh and how do i do that I, yeah so you would do exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's the thing needs to be easier, though. Does it? Yeah, it needs to be. E- uh, who, who's going to edit their own HTML? Okay. Yeah, so basically, when you add, which you could do anywhere where you would might add a link that says, here's my, Mastodon, here's my Mastodon account on your personal website. When you hyperlink that, you add this little 
um, tag to mm-hmm. your uh, a tag. Yeah, it's this little tag that says rel equals me. And Mastodon automatically then knows. And when you put that in your profile on Mastodon, it goes oh. and checks that site and says, oh, I see this link. So therefore, they're both vouching for each other. So so exactly. in when I link on my on, at Searles.com, which is mm-hmm. basically a pile of links that has been growing since 1995. 1995, yeah, there it is. Yeah. I put it in the chat. Okay, so when I add something to the front of that um, that says, here is my Mastodon account. In that tag, yeah. within yeah. the brackets, I put rel equals me. And there's an That's- easy way to do this, too. You go to your account preferences on your Mastodon account. We can walk you through this in a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Go to your I'm account there. preferences. And under that, there's actually a heading that says verification. And under that, there's a snippet of code that you can just copy and you know stick that on okay, your Okay, yeah. So I'm looking at... Okay, so... I'm looking at my preferences. Okay, there it is, a bunch of preferences. And it's somewhere in there. Yep. Okay, I'll look for it. And to me, you know, it's, it's not that difficult. Now, is everybody going to do this? No. But is it more difficult than, okay, now ask for, ask for a blue check mark and now take a picture of your driver's license and then provide that to Twitter and then wait and maybe you'll get it and no. maybe you won't. Oh, absolutely you know, I mean, to me, that sounds like a pretty heavy <laughs> but... lift too, you know. I would say a lot of people don't have websites where they can insert code to verify themselves. So that's the problem number one. But at the same time, if you really need verification, if you are the type of person who would need that level of authenticity, you probably do have a website. You may not run it. You may not be the well, one. Who- and I've seen guides for how to do it on on uh, GitHub. If you have a GitHub account yes, and I was you want to use that, how to do that in other places. And it's all convoluted, you know. Yeah, you can do it on GitHub. Okay. But only but, nerds have GitHub. Kyle. I was going to say, but I mean, listen, listen to yourselves, Catherine, who has had a career in web development, and Kyle, it's who's talking about code. Kyle, who's talking about GitHub. I'm talking about like, okay, we're do you nerds. Think, I, I doubt Stephen Fry managed to edit people? his. Maybe he. That's like, I guess, yeah. If you have people, the process I mean, if is, like, def, is more doable than the who, Twitter who process. Means the well, yeah, if you're saying you have a blog or any other presence anywhere else online and copy and paste this thing and paste it in somewhere on what, wherever have, you're else you are and it's supposed to work. If you have a WordPress so. site, where do you paste it in? Try to find a place to paste HTML it code. Where? It's in, in the your, footer. In your theme. It looks in a really widget. dumb, open actually, up, but it's there. Open up your footer widget. Go to the tab that no, says insert HTML only. <laughs> this is not how websites work now. Well, like, I mean, most do people blogs no longer have like a contact me area or anything that sort of not like that you where you would put your email in. or you would put some other your your social media accounts Actually, on most I'm, I'm going to agree with Kyle. I'm sorry. I agree with Sean on this one little thing. WordPress has become so user friendly. I am doing air quotes right now that it actually is a little bit harder to just drop in HTML. You it, can't, yeah. I feel like it's gotten. You don't have the option to put it an. A rel equals me tag. You totally can. No, you totally can. I did it and it worked and it's fine. Uh, maybe that'll count. be my next little uh, effort. You're I'm literally known as the web mistress. Video. You don't count as that a... is true. <laughs> I used to be in a former life, <laughs> no longer. But um, <laughs> yes, that is okay. I'm I'm amused uh, by yes. We're we're out here saying it's it, super easy, but I I still think it is. I'm digging in on that one. It's not. Hard. I still prefer it. I just think it needs to have an easier way that a person could do it. I, I don't know well, what that and is. I suspect, well, and I suspect with adoption in the same way that 
a lot of a lot of uh, blogs and other platforms have ways to say add your Twitter account, add your Facebook account. Yes. You know what I mean? Don't don't they? I mean, my understanding is a lot of these platforms have ways for you to add mm-hmm. well-known social media accounts that show up in some automated way. Yeah, it's and the, I suspect it won't be too long till this is the same sort of deal. Before they have a rel equals me tag option. I mean that that's well, no, the, where they that's have the a add your Mastodon account. You know, like right. just like they would have add your Facebook, they add do, your Twitter, right. but they don't like put the, the rel equals me tag. That's the issue. Podcast oh, well, they just need hosts, to do that. Okay. They just podcast need to hosts do it. are a really great, a great, <laughs> yeah. um, I think, use case for this. A podcast host, you have a lot of non-technical people out there who might want to be verified because you're producing podcasts, let's say, just like this one. And um, you are you you want people to know that that Mastodon account is associated with your podcast, but you don't edit a lot of HTML. You literally just upload an, an audio file and it's some configuration. But like Kyle says, if they add it, you can add your Twitter and your LinkedIn or in your Facebook and all of those things. If you could just add Mastodon and the, and the podcast provider uh, added that tag, it would it would be super easy. Um, ours, yes. I was not super easy. It could be, but it, I mean, it was easy for me, but it wouldn't be easy for other people. I had to write custom JavaScript and <laughs> to insert the um, uh, the Mastodon link and icon and, and I did it and it works, but it, it was so it was not, if you do not have those skills, it's not going to be something that's super easy for you. You don't just Yeah, I had to change, I had to change account. my entire website, seanpowers.com because I was using a, a little link Docker install where I could not edit the rendered stuff because it rendered it into a container. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out where to change the, how it formed links for the different things. So I just changed, it's now running on Hugo, which I prefer, but I mean, I had to change to Hugo so that I could edit the theme manually to add a link into (laughs) every, into every a (laughs) tag. So yeah, it, it was a pain in the butt. So let's let's set aside for just a second the rel dot me the rel equals me thing. I keep saying rel dot me. I don't know why. Rel equals me the attribute. Set that aside for a second. So let's yeah. let's say you don't even care about the the uh, the green highlight because maybe that's not relevant. I mean, Twitter doesn't have a green highlight, right? But there is still the identity boost of being associated with a known domain if you are hosting your own instance. So that's a whole other type of identity verification that I think is worth mentioning. For example. Um, if we were to move the podcast's Mastodon account, which is on my to-do list, um, to reality, instead of reality to cast at where the server that it's at now, which is linuxrocks.online, um, which we si- I signed up for years ago, and I can't remember why, I could host my own, our own, and it would be at reality to cast at, let's say, social.reality2cast.com, something like that. You know, because you know that reality2cast.com is a podcast, you know that now that Mastodon account is authentic because it's using the same domain name. And that seems pretty obvious and an obvious benefit for, uh, you know, let's say Eli Lilly, (laughs) if they don't, you know, next time uh, somebody wants to impersonate them, maybe they should just spin up something that actually uses their own domain. And uh, well, and also for journalism outlets that want to have a footprint on Mastodon that are large enough to, to just that they're a large enough company that they have, you know, staff on hand that can set up a server somewhere, you know, that someone who's doing, if they're hosting websites themselves on whatever platform they decide to use it, but companies that large, it makes, if they want a footprint on Mastodon, I I think it makes a lot of sense for them to set up their own instance and then have their employee accounts underneath that instance, so they're sort of automatically verified. 
um, and they have sort of full control over that instance and and everything related to it. You know, and then you could even imagine imagine New York Times had a Mastodon instance and only New York Times employees were posting on it. You could go to the New York Times Mastodon local timeline and see all of the posts from everyone that happens to work there and post there. You Mm -hmm. know, I think they should do that. And it would just be like um, with your, you know, company phone at that point, too. You know, every company can have a policy. When you leave the company, do you get to migrate your account and your followers to wherever your instance not part of the company is or not? You know, and that would be a company policy, whether or not you could migrate the people who have followed you at, you know, New York Times or whatever. Um, And it would be a decision that, you know, was made and the reporters would know going in, you know, am I, if I build up this professional following, uh, will it then be gone if I if I leave? Yeah. You know, is that part mm-hmm. of the contract or is it not? I think that's a conversation worth happening or worth having and possible. Well, definitely. But in, in the same way, I mean, and it would in many cases, like in other companies, the way that they would treat contact lists that you might have, you know, mm-hmm. like a salesperson mm-hmm. at a company sort of maintains these relationships and they have contact lists. And there's notions of who does that belong to the company or does that belong to the salesperson? If they leave, and I mean, there's established things for company email. Yeah, there's no most people don't have a notion anymore. Although, you know, I imagine in the early days of the internet, when you you may be your first, when certain people's first email account might have been their company email account, maybe that that there was some discussion. You know, can I somehow transfer this because I've been getting my family's been contacting me on this or whatever. Uh, Now that's not really an issue. You know, people have people multiple identities. Yeah, yeah. And people have established personal and work stuff and there's a separation. Uh, But yeah, I mean, for example, like all of the all of the the companies that do tech support over social media, you know, having all of that under their domain, just like you would do an email, you know, you can trust the email address from a company and same sort of thing. I think that it would make a lot of sense and be pretty helpful for people. And you would get built baked in, you know, baked in verification. You wouldn't have to go and see if they're, which I do now, see if they're verified. Well, not now, because now verification doesn't mean anything on Twitter. But I mean, that's what you would do, right? I mean, you would mm-hmm. like, okay, am I, you know, this person, uh, you know, like Spectrum gives a crap, you know, at Spectrum cares or whatever. Uh, are mm-hmm. they really the people who I can send my account information to or not, you know? Right. So they, what's going on with Twitter right now? Um as it is, you have to do extra legwork to verify somebody's identity because you can no longer rely on Twitter's verification process, mm-hmm. right? So the, the blue check mark has become meaningless. So you are going to have to go and do a little research and go to that company and, and figure out, you know, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, I think I'm so in favor of the idea of, um, you know, hosted instances bear. on known domains. And, yeah. and, and to be clear, well, what you're doing is yeah. you're doing manually what you have to do manually what the rail equals me is doing. You have yeah. to go to their official website and yes, see if exactly. there's a cross link back to their Twitter account yeah. so that matches. Yeah. You know, yeah. And for what it's worth, I truly do think that the the technical solution with the green check mark from from you know using Mastodon is a better solution. I you know I I'm frustrated yeah, I that it's difficult for many people. I'm pretty nerdy, and it was a it was a frustration for me when I'm like I gotta redo how my website is done now right. because I have to, you know, add a link that isn't an option for me. That uh, that frustration aside, it's definitely the way to do verification, you know, a technical but thing as opposed to driving. Even if you don't like do Kyle that. Said. Yeah. Your your domain is still nerdlings.net. Yeah. All the cool kids know who nerd no, sorry. But everybody knows the, that nerdlings.net cool is kids. you. Everybody yeah. knows. Everybody who 
everybody who matters, Sean, knows that <laughs> nerdlings.net is you. Um, yeah. And and if you don't know that, then maybe you know you don't need to, that extra level of verification. But um, but yeah, so we can instantly see. We don't have to look at your profile. We don't have to do anything. You see that your domain is nerdlings.net. That's Sean. And to me, that's that's the the killer feature. Yeah, I so I just hacked Searles.com, the Searles.com page. Uh, <laughs> We've done so it, it has it has a link to Mastodon, and the link has rel equals me or quote me unquote. Um, what happens now on your Mastodon account in your Mastodon profile, you have a link that goes back to that. Okay. Okay. So now I go back to my profile. So, and then this will automatically, um, uh, okay. I'll say that once you, when you have that link, the next time that profile is refreshed, Mastodon will go back to your website that you're linking to and see whether that website has a, it's there. I link it. to your account that has rel equals me in there. And if yep. so, it, it turns green. Fully okay. green. Yep, so you're, you're verified. Oh, you did it. I, I got verified. See, that wasn't gonna... hard. We did this live. <laughs> it wasn't I, hard. I don't even it think I'm going to edit this. Three other people helping you live <laughs> in a podcast. Yeah. Well, the first the first time was difficult. Now, doing it a second time probably <laughs> won't be so bad. <laughs> <clears throat> I might edit a little bit, but for the most part, I feel like this is good stuff. People need to hear this. It's super easy. (laughs) I'm interrupting really quickly to mention that I put a link in the show notes to a video that Sean Powers made recently about Mastodon verification. I think you'll find it helpful, especially if you're using WordPress, but even if you're not. We did just walk Doc through it live on the podcast, though I chummed a bit. But I think the video will help you out if you need it. Thanks for listening, and I'll let you get back to it. Well... It, it, anything like this, where this is the, I, you know, this this isn't an intuitive thing because no one's ever before Mastodon. This isn't something people typically would have have had to do anywhere. So, you know, it's like, why do I need to? What what's it exactly doing? Then once you do it, it's like, oh, okay, this is the thing that you have to do. But we had to do this in the early days of Twitter too. It's my question is just, are people going to be willing to do this again? I mean, obviously, some people, uh, over, some people well over a million yeah. people have already have who, already. And who doesn't there's, know a QWERTY keyboard at this point? There's going to be a WordPress right? plugin for Mastodon verification. You'll just do that, and it'll yeah, that'll it'll, work. I mean, yeah, Matt Mullenweg's on it. He's I, I feel I mean, like he's already very there. Probably well, is one, you know, on and the, so that's what's going to happen. I just mean right now, it's too com- It's complicated for the regular for the normal end user. That's that's the only thing. Yeah, and and all of those sorts of this this. I've noticed when there's whenever there's adoption to something that is relatively geeky or that they, they mostly geeks used for a while and then it gets wider spread adoption, what happens is you have this you have this sort of early tech support request of this is too complicated. How do I do this? People get asked enough times that they eventually they're like, okay, fine. I'm going to make this this is complicated. I can see. I didn't think it was complicated, but it is now. If you're not me, whoever the me is, yeah, and then. They make it easy, easier. I, and I am sure every single one of us had anywhere from the t- from 2007 to 2012 or somewhere in there, uh, sat down with a non-technical friend and showed them how to use Twitter. Oh, I am fairly yeah. certain that we all did that. I definitely did that many, many times. <laughs> no, I mean, sure. the, the real me thing took me a while the first time I did it on my, my profile. I'm like, this is not, I've never set any, I've never set this sort of cross verification thing up before. So how does this work again? And sort of look carefully like, oh, that's what you do? Okay. How can I get my site to do that? Well, in my case, it was my my own site was easy, but yeah. um, how do I get wherever? And then once I did it, it was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. 
and then promptly forgot about it and left, left it there because it's sort of in place. But so, so Kyle joined us midway through. We were we were struggling a little bit with some technical issues, but we started just to you know catch everybody up. We started a little bit um, in the kind of mode of uh, Mastodon's technical challenges and some of the some of the downsides. But then we've kind of we've kind of migrated over to the things that we really like. And the first one I I think was identity verification. The other one I think is discoverability, which I mentioned. I like the ability to have sort of opt-in discoverability and have you know hashtags or not. Um, but there are some other things I think that we really love about Mastodon. And I think Kyle, you have used it probably the longest of any of us. Um, and then maybe next is me because I started, um, I don't know, I've already started for a while. I, I don't post to Twitter first anymore. I post Mastodon and then I have it automated. And if that makes, you know, things confusing, so be it. I'm fairly focused on Mastodon first at this point. And I'm, I just wondered if we could, if we could talk a little bit more about some of the things that we actually really like, some of the things that might make it worth it, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things. So, I mean, after this week, one of the things I like about it is that I'm, you know, I'm having, I'm able to get like a, a more, a more full experience with it because a lot of people that I otherwise had to, because I have a leg in both environments that I just was following on Twitter have moved over. So I'm able to get more interactions. But what I've, what I like about it in general is I get way more engagement on things that I post in Mastodon and better quality. And this has been feedback I've seen from people that have made the move this last week as they've been shocked at having a fraction of the followers, but getting equal or greater engagement, faster engagement, better quality engagement from people. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people actually see your posts. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, right, mean, I imagine right. if you uh, were Twitter, you have a ton of followers. Like, yeah, it, it, like I have 20 some thousand followers on Twitter and I compare that to having, to being a parking space that you know, engages 12 cars a day, but, you know, has a traffic of 20,000 cars going by, you know? Yeah. I mean, so whenever I post on Twitter, I have, I never know if anyone that follows me, my, my, my friends or whoever actually saw my post. I mean, if, if they like it or do something, then I get a sense of it. But I suspect a lot of times that the algorithm isn't necessarily, you know, my, my friends who are into computers may not see all of my weaving posts because they're not, you know, they're not necessarily, because the algorithm doesn't think that they would be interested in that or whatever, um, or whatever it is. So I, I, it always has felt like I'm posting into the ether and I get some responses and everything that's fine. But on Mastodon, I always, I know that if you're logged in and using it or you're, or you're using it, if you follow me and you're using it within the next, however often, you're probably going to see my post, or at least it's going to be along with a stream of whoever else you follow. And so there's a really good chance you will see it. And as a result, people interact with it because if they're using it actively, they see the post and it's not a question of whether the algorithm allows it. So that's something I really like. I also really, I've I've come to really like the content warning. So, well, there's two, two things. There's two sort of accessibility sorts of things I like. I like my client automatically when you upload an image uh, pops up automatically a field for you to enter in a description, mm -hmm. a caption for that. Not every client necessarily does that, but I think they should, they all should. Um, it doesn't force you, but it's just part of the workflow. It just assumes, yeah, you want to tag this with, with a description for people who either can't see the image or maybe don't want to load the image automatically and want to read a, a description. You know, there's, so there's a lot of accessibility things there. I also have come to really like the content warning part. 
Um, I, I've been using it not so much because I do a lot of not safe for work content, but when I do it and not because I post necessarily controversial political things, but I found if I'm posting something that might only appeal to a segment of people who follow me, um, where the most mm. recently I did it because I was getting really technical with some weave with a weaving post. Um, so instead of it just, Hey, look at this thing I made, here's a picture and people could, you know, you don't necessarily have to be into weaving to, to like that or be, maybe be interested in it. But I was getting into the weeds of a technique and I realized not everybody's going to want that. And, it, you know, want to see 400 words on that subject. And so I wrapped it in a content warning and people who wanted to, who were into it can see it and everyone else could just let it scroll by. And that's something I really like. And I've noticed other people have used it for a similar thing where they're either ranting about something and they realize not everyone's interested in their like their local politics or whatever, or their their rant or whatever it is. Um, and they wrap it in a content warning. If you're into it, you can read it. And if you're not into it, you can skip it. That's also something you just said, 400 words on it. That's another feature that I like. I like the 500 word limit. Or wait, is it 500 words? It's 500 words, yeah, or f- yeah, 500 characters. Sorry, 500 characters. I was like, wait a second, 500 words is, is long. Yeah. Uh, 500 characters. I, I like the character limit. I It just works better for me. It works better as a reader, as a writer, both of those things. I prefer it. I you know, that Maybe that's my personal preference, but I think it's great. I don't want to read a 10-tweet you know, thread of tweets. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather you know, have a couple... Uh, slightly longer post, but that's not just me. I guess the other thing I like is, is in just the, the Federation aspect of it itself. I, I, as much as people are going through pains now migrating their accounts from Twitter into Mastodon, if whatever, wherever they land on Mastodon, if they find that they don't like the moderator or they don't like the instance or say the moderator quits or, you know, whatever it is down the line, the migration away from that will be easier than migrating from Twitter. Now, I, I know plenty of people have, have talked about, you know, they've, they've migrated from one instance to the other and it wasn't 100% bulletproof right now in some people's cases. Um, but it's still, regardless, I, I don't have to ask anyone who followed me on some other platform to use a new client, set up a new account, use install new apps, do all of these new things, and you can continue to follow me. They can keep doing whatever they're doing and they can just follow the new account. Like that's something going forward that I like. I mean, even what I wish had happened uh, sooner was that there was much easier to use, like there was some sort of Twitter to Mastodon gateway where Twitter just became another account, another uh, Fediverse account somewhere, you know, at twitter.com. So, and it was just like this night, be a nice gateway that goes in between. So you just follow the same people at that space and it does the translation. But, you know, there's some, there's some sorts of things that do bridging or whatever, but there's nothing I found that I, where I was willing to install it myself and host it myself, which I would probably want to do um, to bridge that. But I think that would be a nice feature or it would have been a nice feature at some point uh, for Mastodon servers to have, where if you follow someone that it's at twitter.com, it, it sort of does the right thing, I guess. Twitter's API keeps getting locked down more and more so that you can't do things though directly with yeah. it, probably for that exact reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, there's there's this notion. I, I maybe Cory Doctorow um, coined this, like adversarial interoperability. Like yeah. This notion that yeah that you have all of these these services that are proprietary, and the only way to really respond to them is to is to actively try to interoperate with them, even though they're going to fight you. 
um, to make it easy for people to migrate off of them, or at least, you know, use an alternative client. So speaking of migration, did we talk about Debirdify or Fetty Finder or any of the other, I think there, there are some others, I can't remember all the names, but um, there are ways to, there are a few apps that people have written that will scan uh, people's profiles and tweets uh, for Mastodon account handles. Um, so you go in, you authenticate with your Twitter account. And I, in the past, I might've been a little bit more hesitant to do that. But today I think it's all, you know, kind of on fire anyway. So I'm like, okay, I'll just authenticate with Twitter. And um, yeah, anyway, so it, it will, it will scan and you'll get this list of people that you can follow in the Fediverse. And I think it's actually pretty useful for those who want to build, try to rebuild, so to speak, uh, over on Mastodon. I have not, I have used it. I don't just dump it in and follow everybody or that it, that is, it is found among my followers and, and following on Twitter. I, I just kind of pick and choose and I say, oh, okay, well, this person has a Mastodon account. I didn't know that. Great. And I go over and follow them and I have found it very useful and I will link to those. So, so I just got a note from somebody who says his address on Mastodon. He's like, are you on Mastodon yet? Here's mine. And it's, you know, first name dot last name at Mastodon dot social. And I go on to Mastodon. I, and how do I add that? Because I look for him. And yeah, it search for it. Yeah, if you I, search for at sign, their, then their full handle. So first name dot last name at Mastodon dot social. If you search for that um, in the interface, it will search. It will, should show you their user. You, you know, it should pop up as a search result. So, so if, okay, if it no, starts I'm, with an at sign. I start with an at sign. Okay. Yeah. So it's at his name. Yeah. Zero results. Um, at his name at mastodon.social? Yeah. No, it's actually mstdn.social. I've just copied it out of his note to me. Yeah. So if it's an at sign, if you do a search for at sign and then the the account name, it should show up as a search no, result if the two... No space between the at sign and... No space. All one long thing. Yeah, it's at first name dot last name at mstdn dot social. Um, but this is, this is sort of a typical thing that's going to happen, right? I mean, yeah. people want to find each other in this new place, and the conventions are a little bit different. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to do this. We have to figure out how, you know, like how do you format, just sort of like on Twitter, it was you have to, you know, at username was how people did that. And, before, you know, on right. other platforms, it's username with no at sign in front of it. You know? Right, right. I was right. reminded recently that early on, and then I, I remember doing this, early on in Twitter to send a direct message. First of all, remember Twitter started mostly via text message. Uh, that shows my age, I guess. But anyway, yeah. that's, no, that's but true. to send a direct tweet at somebody, you had to have the letter D colon yeah, Which resulted in a that. lot of people yeah. posting publicly things that they meant to send directly, and uh, yeah. So I mean, there's there's a learning curve to everything, and this is this is I don't think is that bad, um, but I've also been using it long enough now that I I kind of forgot about some of the things I found clunky in the mm. beginning. So well, so sort of speaking of migrating from one thing to the other, one thing you know I I sort of wanted to ask everybody to weigh in on. Uh, was this sort of a question of 
this isn't the, you know, all of us have been on the internet long enough. That this is not the first time that an online community that you've been a part of mm. has either disintegrated or moved right. to a different platform totally. or, you know, there's a lot of different online um, residences that people have, you know, for some people, this, this, what's happening with Twitter might be their, the first time that they've experienced it. You know, I've experienced mm-hmm. it a number of different times, but I was wondering if, if maybe everybody could talk about their, the, their first time that they had an online community that they were a part of that so, did a similar sort of either disintegration or, you know, was turned off or went away and they had, and they had to migrate to something else and try to find a new community. I, I can tell you it's, is it Linux I had, a, com? I had <laughs> Linux Journal is one of them for sure. And that, but also, but here we are, you know, Linux Journal in exile right here, uh, or part Sorry, of it. That was a um, joke. But uh, I had a blog community. If you had a blog roll, more than 100 people, I think, on it, and a real community. And I felt I was writing for not an audience, but a group of people I participated in. And, and, I led it in a way, but there was part of the blogging community and it went completely to hell when Twitter and Facebook showed up. They just all went over there. And now that's an, an earlier, but I've kept the blog going, but it ain't the same. The, the other, because it's not a community with it. I'm just publishing for the world and maybe people will find it. The, the other is going way back. Uh, there were communities on AOL and especially on CompuServe that were one or two on CompuServe that were fabulous and they were destroyed. They were just gone. I mean, there's no trace of them at this point or, or even shortly after, you know, the internet came along. The internet kind of took care of CompuServe. CompuServe became obsolete pretty quickly. So there, there are things where the competition shows up and others where just obsolescence kicks in. I don't think Twitter will be obsolete. I don't think Facebook will be obsolete either. Facebook does groups really well. And I think that and there are a bunch of groups there. I don't see them going away. Sean, so, how about you? Yeah, Sean, what about you? I bet you have a good story. Does it involve BBS? <laughs> hmm. Well, know. BBS is too. <laughs> I'm <just> speculating. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any good stories, no. Really? Oh, I, you know, I, I actually don't. I, I Other than just I've done this many, many times. I don't know if I ever really felt like I had a community or a um, a social graph, as they call it now, the, in the way that I, I do on yeah. Twitter or maybe Facebook. But I never actually even used Facebook until I started playing roller derby. I had an account, but I didn't use it. But it's how things are organized went back or they were, you know, back when I did that. Um, but going back way, way, way back, um, probably again, AOL, IRC, um, IRC never went anywhere, but servers, I guess, changed. And, and my interest also, I, you know, my personality is sometimes that happens. Yeah. not the community, but how, I mean, I've been through so many apps. I mean, good grief. I can't even, I can even remember all of them. Um, fr- friend, friendster, Orkut, oh, yeah. Google plus, Plurk. uh, Plurk. Oh, oh my God. I forgot about that one. Plurk. Wow. Huh. Anyway, I, I often imagine that there are still accounts out there, you know, with my name on them. God knows what they say. MySpace. I had a MySpace account. Um, I can't remember all the rest of them, honestly. There are probably ones that I'm, oh, hi, high five. Was I ever on that one? I don't know. I remember the name. Uh, yeah. Okay. So there, there have just been so many, but I, I don't know that any of them became as important or relevant to me as Twitter. And I, 
Twitter, it's weird. Twitter was very relevant in my life or early on and for a period. And then it became less so. Um, you know, we, we used it. It was our Linux journal identity, I suppose. And, it, you know, and I, I met a lot of people locally um, using Twitter. We had Twitter meetups. How nerdy is that? Uh, but it was, you know, a lot of people and it was fun and there was beer and good food and um, all the chefs were on Twitter and, and, you know, and then at some point I think it kind of died, died out a little bit and I, it became less relevant for me, but it's always been, I don't know, useful for me for things like customer service, following uh, current events, following natural disasters, following things like that, um, that I hope it will still stay relevant for, but for actually communicating with people rather than just consuming news, I would rather at this point do that on Mastodon. And that was a very long yeah. way of explaining that. Yes, yes. In, in my case, in the late 90s, I was part of this online chat community, like a web-based uh, Java chat called Chat Planet. It was a, a funded by ads. A big banner ad would show up. It's, it's like Slack or Discord now, you know, where you do you chat in a web browser, but it just doesn't take gigs of RAM to do it because that gigs of RAM didn't exist back then. But the same same features, you have chat rooms, you have direct messages, you chat back and forth. And I was part of this online community of people. I moderated a couple of rooms. Um, I met my wife on this network originally. Uh, and so I spent a number of years there and like in, invested not only a lot of time, but just a lot of effort, not just being a moderator, but also... We, a friend of mine and I reverse engineered the protocol and wrote our own chat client. Instead of using the web-based Java one, we wrote our own that had extra features and we wrote a bot. We like, there was no bots on this because it was all proprietary, but we like sniffed packets and figured out how the client, the web browser communicated with the server and just faked it <laughs> and made bots and did all this stuff. Well, we, you know, we basically identified reverse engineered all of this stuff and had everything going and had unkickable clients and had all these superpowers. Then when dot com boom uh, went bust and funding everything on advertising wasn't just a sure thing anymore, then just out of the blue, it was maybe only over. I don't even know if there were I can't remember whether there was even any hardly any warning. There's just sort of some instability. And then a week or two like later, it seemed like it just disappeared. And if you didn't already have some alternative contact information in place with someone with your friends on there, then they just disappeared too. If you didn't have some other way to, because the it was all proprietary. So the servers holding up everything were just gone. And I remember at the time wishing that if I had had, say, a few months advance notice that this was going to happen, I had reverse engineered enough of the protocol for, to do the client side, I could have probably like created some sort of server that implemented at least enough of the server side of it that we could have kept going. You know, the community could have stayed alive um, on some sort of open source uh, version of the server. But of course, that never happened. I didn't have enough time, and everything just sort of exploded. But you know, I mean, that's these sorts of things. If you when you're on the internet long enough, you know these these sorts of things happen, whether it's, I followed this one weblog, you know, like I've, and then it, it's not revel relevant for people anymore. It goes, you know, and then people move to another one and move to another one, or in this case, social media stuff, Friendster, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. on to the next one. There's a, um, I just remembered, it, this is a, a, everybody's experienced this who ever worked for a company in the digital era, which is, 
you're working for the company, you're on their mailing list, and um, and you're very active email on the inside, then you either get fired or you leave and it's gone. And that sense of community with that group of people is gone. I had that happen with Mozilla. I was only there and as an outsider, but I had a Mozilla address and there was a real active thing going on there. But the entire division of, Mo- of Mozilla that I was working with was fired. They just fired the whole thing, including the outsiders like me. And it, and it was like instantaneous and the silence was kind of like weirdly not deafening, just like, <laughs> and I'm wondering if something like that is going on for all the people that were, were yanked from, uh, from Twitter. Like, you know, what do they do? You know, there must be a bunch of communities within that that are either over on Mastodon now or some other thing. I'm just wondering about what that, what happened. <laughs> the, the some other thing makes me think of something that I've noticed recently. And I don't know if y'all are seeing this, but um, it seems like there are a lot of people vying to grab a lot of this attention from Twitter. Like a lot of, they're, you know, uh, sending out lifeboats for Twitter refugees, so to speak. And, and oh, Substack yeah. is one of them. Um, you know, I, and I, I've seen others, but it's interesting that, that there's a lot of effort in various ways to bring conversations somewhere else and bring them closer to, let's say for journalists, for example, bring them closer to the author. Mm. Um, and I think that's interesting. And I, w- I would love to see a little bit of the, you know, and then it's an, I have a nostalgic sense about the way we used to have blog roles and, and blog communities, like, like you mentioned earlier, Doc. And I, I would like to see people bring conversations closer to the source and what, and, and various, you know, you can interpret that many ways. And frankly, I, I don't want to be more specific because I would like people to think creatively about, you know, moving the conversation somewhere else other than that Twitter silo, whether that's, um, you know, yeah. And your site that you control, I think is, is ideal so that, that it isn't going to get cut off from you at some point. Hey, this has been really great. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, it has been really great. Our next tutorial will be the end of next week. <laughs> I know. I yeah. So yeah, we've talked about Mastodon quite a bit lately, but there's so much to talk about. So I, you know, I think we can leave it with this. There are some stones unturned, but I think Twitter's going to give us more to talk about next week. Oh no and doubt. I think so it's is Mastodon, it's and this may good. be uh, our focus for a few weeks. But you know, I think. I think there's so much to talk about. Taking back control of our, our digital lives is important to us. So there you go. We'll keep talking about it. Yeah. All right. Okay, Thanks guys. All, all right. See you later.